Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 14th. If you find yourself becoming agitated, relax the feeling quality in your heart. There, in what appears to be only a physical organ, lies the origin of all feelings, whether excited or calm. The feeling quality is the essence of consciousness. Without that, one would be a mere mechanism as materialists, in fact, insist we all are. Their dogma teaches that clear understanding demands the elimination of all feelings. That dogma is fatally flawed. Without both feeling and self-awareness, there could be no life. The whole universe is a projection of the Supreme Self, in whom lies also the perfection of feeling, absolute bliss. Two things science will never be able to create, feeling of any kind, and self-awareness. This is one of those where in a a matter of a handful of sentences, Swami traverses from something quite simple to something transcendent, which um, in in truth this is an amazing book, because under the guise of, of simple aphorisms, he's actually constantly moving our attention and our consciousness from um, from limitation to infinity is the only way I can say it. So he starts with a very simple premise, which is whenever you feel yourself becoming agitated, all feeling emanates from the heart. And he, he doesn't reference it, but what he's talking about is the heart chakra. And the heart chakra is one of the spiritual centers in the spine, the spine being not the knobby bones on your back, but a, a a plumb line of energy that goes that drops from the top of the head to the base of the spine, and in the principles of Sanatan Dharma, this is the um, energy pattern. The the this is the origin point of the energy pattern around which the physical body is created. When the sperm and ovum unite, this is how Master explains it. The first thing that happens is the the spine is created. And I've seen these little books of, you know, your developing embryo. And I don't know how they get the photographs, but there's a little picture of something that looks like a little potato stick or a little little match stick. And believe it or not, that's the beginning of your baby. Because there's the, the sperm and ovum, Master said, come together at the medulla. And then the energy is projected to create all the spinal centers. And then the energy rotating, magnetic energy rotating around those spinal centers gradually collects the atoms and the molecules, whatever it is, that create the physical body, and you watch it grow. But it's the life force in there that attracts the physical, the elements to it, and then the magnetism of the life force holds those elements into that pattern. I've had the experience of being with a number of people when they literally exhaled for the last time and died. And it's quite astonishing how quickly 
what was a living being becomes a, com- a, com- a completely non-living being. Even if the person has been unconscious for a long time and not interacting with the world, as long as they're still breathing, that physical encasement is living. And as soon as that breath stops, that physical encasement becomes nothing and very quickly begins to deteriorate. Just with, with stunning rapidity, it just, it just ceases to be viable. And I mean viable, just even it, it begins to fall apart. You know, it begins to disintegrate because it's the life force that holds it together. And this is where Swami, skipping ahead, Swami makes the statement, you know, the science can never create the life force. They can manufacture things on a 3D, you know, Xerox machine or whatever that thing is called, where you take a form and can make a 3D element, but it's not, it's not a living thing. It, it, it has no will of its own. It can be programmed to appear as if it has a will of its own, but it can only respond to what it's been programmed to do. It cannot initiate. And it does not, it does not have its own sense of happiness or suffering. Now, coming back to where we started, where Swamiji says, if you feel agitated, the place to calm ourselves is in the heart. Now, it's, it feels like the mind is agitated, but the mind is always respond, responding to feeling. I mean, think about that very word. You know, I felt my mind, I was agitated in my mind, but that meant that a feeling had infected my mind. So it's always the heart and mind working together. And Master said, reason always follows feeling. I mean, think about it. If you're afraid, a whole number, a whole series of thoughts will come. If you feel brave, a different feeling, a series of thoughts will come. And of course, if you're afraid, then everything about you will feel afraid. And if you're brave, everything will affect the bravery. What you feel is what comes first, and that emanates from the heart chakra, from from this um, physically in the body, although the 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 chakras are not actually in the body, but that they seem to be, because the heart, the physical heart, emanates from that spiritual center within us. When the sperm and the ovum create the matchstick and the energy builds, this is each of the chakras specializes, and the heart specializes in feeling. So we can actually, literally, and you can let me say it differently: you can train yourself, literally, to relax the heart, relax the heart chakra when you get better at it. You can re- relax the heart, rest in the heart, be at peace in the heart, and then see what thoughts come to you. Then see what ideas come to you about what you ought to do. <clears throat> so then Swami goes on to talk about, in general, the importance of feeling in life itself. And he, he talks about this delusion because, because wrong feeling um, can confuse us, people tend, uh, uh, the, the exaggerated sense of science seems to think that all feeling is therefore wrong, and, and that feeling itself is therefore the enemy. And people in the, it's mostly in science fiction that they put this forward, but they put it forward in other, other areas too, that the more unfeeling you are, therefore the more accurate you're going to be. But it's very interesting that even the greatest scientists the, the, the people who, who are the most grand and successful and innovative, even in the field of science, always speak of an essential sense of wonder, a sense of beauty, 
a friend of mine, actually, it was very interesting. He came to me and he told me that, um, let's see exactly, he was saying that he had always been an atheist in his life until he began a serious study of mathematics. Now, I have no uh, attunement with mathematics and I have very little understanding of, you know, of, of the principles, but he said, in mathematics, if the solution to a problem is not uh, harmonious and beautiful, he says, it's not the right answer. Because all of mathematics resolves itself in harmony and beauty. As beauty in the, in the way that a mathematician would see that. How one thing fits together and leads to another and so on. So he began to think that if in something as simple as mathematics, relatively speaking, harmony and beauty were essential to finding the true answer, he thought it unlikely that life itself was different. And so it opened him up to the first, the first for the first time to the idea that the answer to the problem of life, if it's not harmonious and beautiful, is probably not true. And his idea that there was no God and that we were all just randomly out here without any, um, any higher direction or higher purpose, he said that was neither a harmonious nor a beautiful answer. And it made him suspect that perhaps he was wrong. And then he started a much more open-minded, serious investigation. But harmony and beauty, those are feelings, aren't they? We have, we have a sense of what's beautiful. We have a, a sense of what's harmonious. It's not, it's not a, a, a flat fact that we just, you know, this is harmonious, this isn't harmonious. It's like it's a flow of energy. And that is fundamental to life because when we, when we live... There, there, there are two forces that move us in life. Master wrote this in a little book he called The Science of Religion. When Master came from India in 1920 with the commission from the Masters, which was to bring to the West this ancient teaching of India, he brought with him a small publication, and it was called The Science of Religion. And he had taken millennia of Sanatana Dharma through all the countless ups and downs and all the avatars and all the, the myths and stories and epics and rituals. And he had reduced the whole thing down to a tiny volume. Swami Kriyananda later rewrote that book because Master himself didn't write it. It was ghostwritten by a disciple. So Swamiji thought as a disciple he could ghostwrite it again. He had to call it God is for Everyone because the original publisher had a copyright on the, on the name Science of Religion but it was the same book. And this is what Master said very simply. All sentient beings are motivated by feeling. And, and the feeling is twofold. One is, I know what it feels like to suffer, and I don't want to suffer. And the other is, I know what it feels like to have happiness, and I want happiness. If you take even something like a worm, and if it goes a certain direction, and a pin pricks it, it will go the opposite direction to avoid being hit, hit by the pin. It knows what it is to suffer, and it has a desire not to suffer. Now, you can have the most sophisticated computer in the world, and it will respond according to how it's programmed, but it will not be able to, to know the difference between suffering and happiness, because there's no life in there. If there's life, because life all creation, all sentient beings, 
are an expression of the Divine Spirit. And the Divine Spirit is eternal life, eternal awareness, and as Swami puts it beautifully, the perfection of all feeling, which is absolute bliss. And we're all, we're all just uh, strings pulled out from that, from that hole, and we hold those salient characteristics within us. And everything that we do is about those two feelings. And so, because our essential nature is feeling first, and all our actions, all our thoughts, all our responses to life, all emanate first from feeling. So understanding the relationship of the the heart and the heart chakra to our feelings, the effect of our feelings on everything else that we do, we can also use that knowledge to to direct ourselves, to resolve our difficulties, to, to discipline and harmonize ourselves. So this is where Swamiji says, if you feel agitated, you know, and agitation is a form of suffering. When we feel agitated, we don't feel happy. So our two forces are playing against each other. I don't want suffering. I do want happiness. Agitation is making me suffer. How do I get more of happiness? Well, Swami says, go back to the source. Go back to the source in yourself. And we can sort of speak to it physically. If you're Swamiji is writing this book for an audience that doesn't necessarily understand yoga practice. But if you understand the the chakras and have meditated at all and know how to attune yourself at the spiritual eye and feel the energy at the heart chakra, then you can be even more um, subtle in this. But let's assume that you don't know any of that. You can at least bring your attention and, and in a way bring your breathing to your heart center, because the breath and the state of mind are, are very, uh, very closely linked. If you think of a, I will say a bad actor, or I'll say an obvious actor, who has to come onto the stage in an agitated way, they'll always come in just breathing hard, like, oh, I'm, I, I just don't know what to say. They don't have control over their breath, because they're agitated. Because when we get agitated, we begin to breathe maybe short, more shallow, more quickly, but And that's why often with children, breathe, honey, just your little child. Honey, just breathe, just breathe. Oftentimes the child will offer that back to the mother. There's very touching stories. A woman was, was saying that she was in the hospital with her second-born child, and the child was struggling. Fortunately, the child made it through just fine. But the child was struggling, and the mother was becoming very agitated. Her two-year-old... Is, is on the video call with her. The two-year-old perceives that mommy's not doing well. The two-year-old says, now mommy, take a deep breath. Now take another one, because that's how mommy had always taught the child. And the child could just see mommy is agitated and her breath is, is ragged. Take a deep breath, mommy. So even if we don't know much about meditation or the chakras, we all know how to breathe. And if your mind is agitated and you want to go into the heart and calm it, breathe very evenly and deeply from the heart. Sometimes it helps, I find, to, to walk. Walk and breathe. Physically move your body, but as you do so, breathe regularly and evenly. And once you calm the breath, you'll find you'll also calm the mind. You will also calm the feelings. And once you're less agitated, you can start making a choice. 
between what will, you know, cause me not to have to suffer and what will give me more happiness. Because when you trace it back, when we, we trace ourselves back to our origin point, that's what we are. We're, we're, <clears throat> we're the awareness of ourselves <coughs> and we're the awareness of our feelings. That's, that's the definition of life itself. And it's God-given. Cannot, it can be manipulated by man, but it cannot be created by man. So, if you find yourself becoming agitated, relax the feeling quality in your heart. There, in what appears to be only a physical organ, lies the origin of all feelings, whether excited or calm. The feeling quality is the essence of consciousness. Consciousness. Without that, one would be a mere mechanism, as materialists, in fact, insist we all are. Their dogma teaches that clear understanding demands the elimination of all feelings. That dogma is fatally flawed. Without both feeling and self-awareness, there could be no life. The whole universe is a projection of the Supreme Self, in whom, in whom lies also the perfection of feeling, absolute bliss. Two things science will never be able to create, feeling of any kind and self-awareness. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.